Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering four conversations from Season 3, Episode 10. Our session asking what different prevalence studies and population estimates from the U.S., U.K., and Germany can tell us about the challenge of when, who, and how often to screen for and treat liver disease. This conversation starts with a few more questions about Jorn Schottenberg's recent publication in Hepatology Communications, but centers mostly around Wayne Eskridge's study, Screening for Undiagnosed Naffold and Nash, a population-based risk factor assessment using VCTE a study we discuss intermittently throughout the rest of this episode and have discussed in past episodes as well. In this conversation, Wayne describes the study population and presents key findings. The group concludes that roughly three patients in eight demonstrate some risk of metabolic challenge when subject to liver testing, even though the number requiring hepatologist intervention or likely to have long-term liver disease is far, far lower. One challenge in the coming fatty liver pandemic involves creating appropriately scaled, cost-effective strategies for screening and stratifying large swaths of the adult population. This kind conversation addresses elements of that challenge. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn. And when you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. Louise Campbell. You did a previous presentation on AI, and of course, AST was one of the strongest predictors on your AI. Is this the same population or is it a different population? Jörn Schattenberg. No, this is a total different population. This is really something that came out of my neighborhood here in Germany. And the population we detailed earlier was the NIDDK database, US-based. So this is truly data that's generated in Germany. And uh, I think we'll learn more even on the incidence of liver disease in relation to then cardiovascular status and so on. So I am very excited to be part of this. Looking forward. Yeah, it sounds great. I'm just going to make one comment. Just following on from last week, for me, although fatty liver index is, I suppose, a crude measure, and if we were to fiber scan that population, we might find completely different figures with CAP. But that's where the education, the lifestyle change, the ability to put in earlier pathways for these people on comorbidity management, that's an opportunity and a strength that nurses, diabetologists, diabetic nurses think like that can actually utilize. So that 1% doesn't grow amongst the population that's already there. So you've got a population you can pre-identify that are going to need bigger input earlier. That's what I'm hearing that excites me after that study so far. Yeah, absolutely right. I support that notion. That's the size of the population where you need to educate. Yeah, I, I would define it as the top of the funnel and say exactly the same thing. We've had several different approaches to this, right? Uh, Ken um, and, and Kusi and, and some of the U.S. groups talking about the critical care pathway. Jeff and you, you aren't coming on and talking about NAFL therapy as a public health initiative. I guess the number I've got in my mind is that about three-eighths of the population needs to be supported a lot better in that way. And Louise points out, and last week was about, so what are some of the ways we can do that without tapping what are already some massively overstretched healthcare resources? Let's jump on to Wayne next. And after Wayne and after Ian, we can come back and see if we can put all this together. Floor's yours, my friend. Wayne Eskridge. The regular listeners here have heard of this before, but that was a program where we took a fiber scan out into the community in southern Houston, Galveston County, Texas. And this is a self-selecting volunteer pool that did not have and had never been told that they had any kind of liver disease, but 
they were concerned enough about their health or engaged enough to volunteer and take an appointment to have a scan. And we did 1,070 people there. And think of them as the early adopters of care that are open to intervention. They're open to engagement. One of my pet peeves is when we say that we don't identify early disease because people don't do anything about it and they always fail anyway. So we wanted to gather some data on that and it was really fascinating because in this population we found a really significant amount of steatosis. It was about near 80% registered in the CAP score above S0 and with the fibrosis scores it was almost 17% had some level of uh, indicated fibrosis with FibroScan. Now of course that's not a diagnosis, it's just a proxy, but that's much higher than you typically see referenced. So I take that to be a canary in the coal mine, if you will. These are people that will very soon begin to show up in the clinics and in significant numbers. So it's a population that doesn't have a control group, so it has that problem, but it indicates a level of disease in the community that I think is higher than we typically think about. The population itself was interesting because it was a younger population than I was really expecting to see. The peak group was in their 40s. The people that showed the highest level of brewing disease were in their mid-40s. We actually saw the uh, numbers in the 50s and 60s drop off. That's not how we really think about this disease normally, but I've attributed that to the fact that medicine starts to pick up those people, so they wouldn't have come into our group because these would be people that had never been told that they had any kind of liver problem. The goal here was really to, in part, find out to the extent that the population is open to the education and willing to come forward and wants to know more about this. And we believe that that was significantly demonstrated and that the disease level of asymptomatic people is is significantly high. One of the things that I thought was really interesting was the odds ratio for the factors that made a difference, because we surveyed a lot of their medical history and things is it's what your grandma said to eat your vegetables and go out and play because people that ate more vegetables had less disease and the people that did more exercise had less disease and it tracked very well with the ideas of how we manage this because it indicates that the people that are needing to lose weight for steatosis primarily did better with cardio and people that were dealing with fibrosis did better with strength training. So I thought those were interesting indications, but this is not the kind of drug study that that people would entertain. Wayne, congratulations. I think this is a fascinating study, in particular in approaching people and getting them involved and educating them on their liver health status, because these tests are normally not available to them. And I think it's it's a great way to 
loop them and relate them to their liver health. So this is something I'm always talking about, you know, positioning them or making them able to think about their liver health. And I think this is really great. Of course, you're going to recruit a little bit more health conscious people, but still, I mean, the number uh, we discussed in my presentation previously here comes up to 50% where the cap uh, was elevated. I think that, that that's your number, right? Maybe you can say that again. And also, maybe my question to you would be the advanced cases. How, how much advanced disease did you actually find? Well, our cap was almost 80%. It was 79. The fibrosis was almost 19%. We found 5.2% at F3 and 4. So our level of fat was considerably higher than yours, as was our level of advanced fibrosis. A lot of these people are on the brink of becoming symptomatic patients. And I guess the subtext of that is that even though they'd never been told that, somehow they had that sense. They knew that they had problems and they were willing to engage, but medicine had never engaged them. So Wayne, demographic question. You talk about Houston, Galveston. People who know demographics in the States immediately jump to Hispanic population. What percentage of the population in the study was Hispanic American? And was there a correlation between those and the ones with higher levels of disease? It was just under 60% uh, were Hispanic, but there was not a big difference between the ethnic populations, really. They didn't stand out in that sense, but we did skew towards women. I guess that's to be expected. Women volunteer for testing before men do. You're making Louise proud. Go ahead. Well, it was, it was interesting when I was looking at that. I had a quick look at a data set that I have that's anonymized of 4,496 fibroscans with cap. 51% of the population of that group, now these are hospital, so 51% of that had a cap of less than 248, which is the new meta-analysis cutoff and thresholds if you were looking for that. It's not the de definition of NASH or NAFLD. 40% of the population had been referred for a NASH NAFLD abnormal liver function test referrals and only 31% of those of S1 and above had fibrosis. So in a population-rich study, you're going to find more fibrosis. But what was interesting, that 14% of that population were S1, 20% S2, and 66% of that patient referral rate was about S3, 66%. But then I looked at what I do now, which is people just coming in. And although it's a way smaller data set, is that actually 47% had normal liver fat by meta-analysis, which meant 53% had greater. But similar numbers, so 17% had level 1, level 2, 21%, 62% had steatosis grade three. But interesting that Wayne picked up that population. In my smaller study, just general, more lifestyle, more 19% had a kilopascals over eight. So I used the thresholds that we try to use now. So I used the meta-analysis and went back and looked at that just to see how much Wayne and his population study was looking to be that abnormal. Stephen said it before, his, and that was a hospital population, that was 39%. We are looking at way more people with significant liver fat and it goes back to Ian's point of not everybody needs to see a hepatologist but liver fat is not benign whose condition should it be I've certainly been to sessions where cardiologists have said that fatty liver is actually a cardiac condition so we need to recognize that fatty liver is not benign and we should be looking for fatty liver in all formats whether it's ultrasound whether it's cat and make that more intrinsic to what we're working 
because then we can split out the populations who's the highest metabolic risk is it endocrinology or cardiology that deal with that where's the one percent liver and then get them to the right areas but i do think we are way higher globally than that 25 percent and now back to roger we hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the contents of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week to look at NAIL NIT, an exciting effort to speed the path towards basic NASH and NAFLD knowledge, particularly in non-invasive testing, by aggregating data from multiple manufacturers into a single data set. Our panelists will include two leaders in the academic effort to do this and two pharmaceutical executives with experience and passion for this effort. It should be excellent. So until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you next week on Surfing the NASH Tsunami. Bye-bye now. <laughs> <laughs>